Acts chapter 17. If you will stand with me for the reading of the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 17. Amen. Madison, I was wondering where you were. <laughs> I looked over to my left and I didn't see you. Amen. Madison rocking her green and yellow. Come on, Maddie. I think your hookup looked better than your aunts and your mom's. I think so. It looked, it looked classy, Maddie. You look like you're rich. You look like you're doing your thing, you know, your scarf thing. I like that look, the scarf thing. Yeah, you, yeah but she looked better. <laughs> you're not getting no credit in this one. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Good to see everybody this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Acts chapter 17. This is very powerful passage of scripture that hopefully you'll go back after today and look at it even closer, but it's powerful. And I pray that it will um, meet the theme that we have today um, of All Nations Sunday. Acts chapter, let's read together. It is that powerful that we, if, if we can just lift our voice and we can read together, that will be outstanding. When you're there, say amen. You've got it behind me. You've got it on your smart device, and you have it probably in your Bible as well. So let's read Acts chapter 17. We'll begin in verse 23, and we will read up to verse 28. Amen? Let us read. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands, as though he needed anything. Seeing he... And had made of all one blood... All Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to entitle today the word of the Lord, the divine revelation to all nations. The divine revelation to all nations. Father, we love you. Your word is already blessed. You are among us. I pray once more you will move upon our hearts that our passion, our desire, Our motivation will be to worship you, will be to praise you, will be to live for you. Father, I pray that every person in this room that have deep need of you, Lord God, will respond to the word of the Lord today and that, God, you will exceed their need. Father, There is, it is not your will that any of us should leave this place, Lord God, without being completely fulfilled by the will of God for our life. 
Lord, rain down your presence from heaven. Rain down your glory in this place. And I pray that you will change our direction if we're going in the wrong direction. I pray that you'll move on our heart, Lord God, and help us to walk by faith and help us to walk in obedience of the word of God. We bind every spirit that is not of God even now in the name of Jesus. And we cast them in outer darkness, Lord God, that the power of God will be unleashed upon us and the glory of God will come into this place and the angels of the Lord will do the bidding that you command them. Lord, help us this morning. Speak to us this morning and give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. Lord, we will not fail to give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. You are our God, our Lord, and our Savior. From the beginning to the end, Lord God, it is you that sits on the throne. For heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool. There is no searching and knowing all things about you, Lord God, but you have revealed yourself to us. Now, God, help us to know you. Help us to understand, Lord God, purpose in us that you have called us to, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, have your way today. Lord, for every person that has been bound this morning, I pray that you will destroy the invisible chains, that you will loose them and set them free from bondage in their mind, from bondage in their actions, that no person, Lord God, will leave bound, but they will leave liberated. They will leave, Lord God, with a passion to say, Jesus, I will serve you and obey you. God, have your way this morning. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can somebody shout amen? Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord as you're being seated. The divine revelation to all nations. The divine revelation to all nations. Uh, we talked, uh, we read through the scriptures and realized that, 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 that God wants to reveal himself to all nation. Nobody have a monopoly on God. Nobody have this little thing that they got over anybody on God because God is the creator of all people. And so we look at what the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was in Athens, Greece. Athens is the capital of Greece and the Apostle Paul was there. Athens at that time, they they were very rich, and 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 a lot of things were going on there, and it was a central centralized location to that that nation. And what Paul did, as we know, he traveled and he preached the gospel and he started churches. And Paul was here now in Athens, and one of the things that Paul did, he he went by and he observed what they were doing. If you're going to be a witness for God, you got to observe what's going on. It's not intelligent as a Christian to just go in and say whatever you want because you know what's right. But what you want to do is observe what's going on and say, God, I see what's going on. Will you give me the wisdom to approach this situation? Will you give me the knowledge to approach this situation? But just walking in the situation without being understanding what's going on could really put a, 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 a damper on what you think you could do. And so Paul watched them. And then Paul went by and says, I see you worship and there's an inscription on the altar that you have built that said, to the unknown God. That's what the word of God says, to the unknown God. That was the inscription in their altar that they had built, to the unknown God. 
the Athenians was known for worshiping many gods, idols, if you will. Mm. It always seemed, we've been talking about this for a while, that the Bible said it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. And I told you on Thursday that every person in this congregation right now is rich according to the status that we are in the 10 percentile of rich people in the world. You don't want to admit it. You don't want to agree to it. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what struggle you're going through today. You are sitting in this church. I'm talking to you. You are rich according to the standards of this entire world. Mm-hmm. You are. You, yes, you are. And so we want to think that when the Bible talked about it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven, it was only talking about Donald Trump. It was only talking about, you know, um, um, Schultz that owns Starbucks. We only thought it was talking about men and women that, 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 that owns businesses and that CEOs of companies. We're only thinking about those that are rich people. But if you go and travel through our world, you'll realize that, you know what, I am rich. There's a reason why Americans ship their product out to get made. They can get made for almost nothing in another country, but they, they will cost more. It will cost more for them to get made in the United States. So you know that we're doing well financially in the United States. The issue is not whether or not we're doing well. The issue is, are we living above our means? That, that's really the issue. It's not that we don't have it. No, are we living above our means? And so... Paul checked these people out and realized that they're worshiping the unknown God. The unknown God. Idols. They're worshiping idols. We got to be careful that we are not worshiping idols. Yes, we're not bowing down before an actual statue and we're not worshiping. We're not praying to an actual statue. But what I'm trying to get out is this. When we have the, the, the capabilities financially to do what we want, we will find ourselves worshiping idols. When you don't have anything and somebody tell you about the true and living God is quick to say, you know what? I need to know who he is because guess what? I don't have nothing. I have nothing to lose because look at my status. But when you're doing all right financially, guess what? Well, I don't have a need right now. So maybe I don't need to seek that God that you're talking about because I'm doing all right. And so if you want to know what's our challenge in America in living for God, this is the challenge. We're doing so well that we don't think we need God. We think that we, we, we're okay and that we can just fit God into our life so we can feel comfortable that we're throwing him a bone and we, 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 we feel okay. Because we're doing all right. It's the reason why missionaries go to the Philippines and preach and 30,000 people in attendance. It's the reason why missionaries go to Africa and preach and, and 50,000 in attendance. And people are being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost by the thousands. And, and miracles are being done by the thousands. It's the reason why that's happening. You know why? They're saying we have nothing to lose but everything to gain. But here in America, we feel like we have everything to lose and very little little to gain. Yes. Very little to gain, because guess why? Got the car I want. I got the phone I want. 
I got the clothes I like to wear. Yeah, I struggle every once in a while with the bills, but that's not really a big deal. Because if I really get stuck, I can go and get some help. Get a part-time job, work a little overtime, right? Yeah, uh uh-huh. And so we got everything that we want. And there's not much that we want living in America that we can't go after and get it. So for us, we might not realize our mindset is, I let God fit into my good life, but God is not going to be my life. God is not asking to fit into your life. As you will see, God is asking you to live for him. Give him all your heart. Give him all your mind. Give him all your soul. And somebody got to stand up one day and says, uh, I got to come out of this uh, American dream thing. I got to come out of this status quo of how I need to present, how I need to look, and how I need to live. Uh, It's in him do I live and move and have my being. Uh, And if I'm going to sit here and keep on thinking uh, that, oh, you know, I'm doing all right. Uh, I just need to go to church once in a while. Uh, I just need to pray sometimes. I just need to read my Bible sometimes because that makes me rounded. I'm sorry. That's not what God is looking for. God said, I want all your heart. I want all your mind. I want all your soul. I'm not first. I'm not second. I'm not. I want all. This is why I don't say God is the head of my life or God is first in my life. Because God ain't in competition with nothing. The minute you made him first or the head, it means there's something coming after. But if God is my everything, there's nothing coming after. He's everything. He's everything and he should be everything to us. Yes, he's not first. He's not head. He's everything. He's everything. Oh, help us, Jesus. And so Paul watched them worship the unknown God. We have to be careful what we're worshiping. We can't think that because we're not bowing down. If, so, if you're not giving God all, it means something may have your attention that's more important than God. Ask yourself the question, why haven't I given God all of me? All right, let you percolate on that as I move forward. John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the word of God we're dealing with this morning. God says, the Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I know we said we worship God, but let me help you so you understand what spirit and truth really means. They were worshiping the unknown God. There is no way they can worship the unknown God in spirit and in truth. And God told us to worship him in spirit and in truth. So here is spirit. What does that mean when the Bible says we must worship God in spirit? It's talking about worshiping God with our thoughts. Worshiping God with our feelings and worshiping God with our desires and passion. When you worship God, is your feelings involved? When you worship God, is your desires involved? When you worship God, is your passion involved? Or are you just, just doing what you're supposed to do? Are you just lifting your hands? Are you just saying words? Or is it your feelings, your emotions, your passion? Everything is involved. You're giving everything when you worship. Are you doing that? 
That's what it means by worship God in spirit. Then it says you must worship him in truth as well. Well, the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is Jesus. So whatever Jesus spoke and whatever Jesus did is truth. So here's how you worship God. With all your feelings, with all your desires, with all your emotions, with all of your thoughts, with all of your passion. And then according to the word of God and according to what Jesus did. So those are the things that you must have in your mind and in your heart when you lift your hands and you say, Jesus, you are my God. For you're the one that went to the cross for me. I know you shed your blood that my sins can be forgiven. I know they put a crown of thorn on your head just so my mind could be right. I know, Lord God, at one point in the flesh you didn't want to go, but you said nevertheless, because you cared so much, because you loved so much, that's why you went to the cross. I worship you, O great master and king of this universe whether we accept you as king whether we accept you as master whether we accept you as lord you are it anyway so God I might as well accept you being king accept you being lord and worship you as king and worship you as lord I may as well accept it I may as well give you the praise and the honor because God you deserve it and whether I do it or I don't you still reign you still are the king, you still are the amazing God, you still sit upon the throne. Whether I worship or praise or not, you're still the God that created all things. He is the God that creates, and I don't want to worship an unknown God. Ask yourself, do you know who you're worshiping when you worship? Do you know who you're praying to when you pray? I believe sometimes we get, we get stuck and we get challenged because we really not sure who we're worshiping or we're calling on the name that, 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 that maybe we don't know the identity of that name. Hmm. I don't want to worship and not knowing who I'm worshiping. I don't want to pray and not know who I'm praying to. I must know who it is. I don't want to say to the unknown God. God, God, God is not into being unknown. Hmm. So Paul realizes what was going on with the Athenians. It was never God's intent to be unknown to us. Does anybody know that? It was never God's intent to be unknown to us. So for every place you read and for every, uh, when you can look back in your life and say, did I always know God? And the answer may be, no, I didn't always know God. The, the answer may be for many people that are worshiping God and praising God, do they really know who he is? Because some people believe that, that there's a father and there's a son and there's a Holy Spirit and they're separate. And so the Bible don't, didn't want us. God was not trying to get us to be confused. He was not trying to get us to, to not know who he is. He always wanted us to know him. His intent was always for us to know him. And so it's never good when we are worshiping the unknown God. When we don't know who we're praying to, that wasn't what God's intent was. 
From the beginning, when God created man, he wanted man to know him. If you go back to the first original man, he walked with God. He talked with God. He had a relationship with God. They were close. They were tight. He was always with God. But as time go on, we drift and we start losing the identity from generation through generation. So Paul realized these Athenians was worshiping the unknown God. So he was compelled to declare unto them. And so this morning, part of what I will do, I will declare according to the word of God who this unknown God is. He, he, he wanted to declare to them. So he declared who the unknown God is. Then he declared what we should do. He declared who the unknown God was. Then he declared what we should do. And so in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, where we read earlier, God that made the world and the things therein. For all the people that want to believe in the Big Bang Theory or whatever you want to believe that we, 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 we came from monkeys and then we just evolved. Whatever you want to believe, that's on you. But I'm telling you what the Word of God said. The Word of God said that God that made the world and all things in the world. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth. Remember I told you, it doesn't matter whether you want to believe it or not. He is the creator. He is the Lord. And whether we agree with it, whether we say yes to it or not, he still is. And so the Bible says, he dwelleth not in temples made with hands. God dwelleth in temples that is not Made with hands. Man, if somebody get this revelation today, you're going to lose your mind. God does not dwell in this building. God does not dwell in any church building. Yeah, you're quiet now. God is present everywhere all at once. But that word dwell is a different deal. So God is um, omnipresent. He's present everywhere all at once. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Got that. But he don't dwell everywhere. That wasn't his will. So when they made temples, guess what? His, he was present there. He didn't dwell there. When Solomon built the big temple, he was present there. He didn't dwell there. It was never God's intent to, to dwell in buildings. It was never God's intent to dwell where man thinks he should dwell. He says he don't dwell in places made with man's hands. God's intent, Sister Wood, was always to dwell in this, in you, in you. Because man didn't make you. Y'all better get this today. When he says he dwells, it means he abides and occupies. And God's intent was always to abide in you, occupy in you, and live in you. He may be present in the whole world, but God wants to dwell and live and occupy you. This is important for us to know that God wants to live in you. He said it in his word. 
I don't dwell in places made with man's hands. <laughs> heaven is his throne. He dwells in heaven and he dwells in you. He don't dwell any place else. Every place else is just all about his present. He don't dwell in you. He don't dwell in everywhere. Just in you is where he wants to dwell. He wants to dwell in you. So it says, he don't dwell in temples made with man's hands. Didn't the Bible call us? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody help me this morning. Can you you stay with me this morning? The the Bible says that, that we are the temple. The Bible says here in Acts that God don't dwell in temples made with man's hands. But it also called you a temple. Oh man, y'all ain't getting this. Oh, did you realize what God is saying? I don't know if we understand what God is saying to us, how much God cares about us. God is saying, uh, you are so precious to me. Uh, you are everything to me uh, that I overlook everything. Uh, I don't dwell in angels. Uh, I don't dwell in temples. Uh, I don't dwell in buildings. Uh, I don't dwell in anything uh, that I didn't create. Uh, I created you from the beginning, uh, and it was always my intent uh, to dwell in you, uh, to abide in you, uh, to occupy you. I want to occupy your soul, your life, and everything in you. That's how heavy God is. He says, I don't dwell in temples made with man's hand. Oh, God is so, he is crazy. He's saying, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When I created humans, you became the temple of the Holy Ghost, the temple for where God will dwell. And so all the time in the Old Testament while they were making temples and tents and all that stuff, he was just present, not dwelling. His presence was there because guess why? God's presence is everywhere. Everywhere. Didn't, the, uh, didn't Paul says, if I lay my bed in hell, thou art there. <laughs> Wherever you go, God is there. But it don't mean he dwelleth in you. His presence is there, but it don't mean he dwell in you. And today I pray that somebody will realize this, the the, the importance of of allowing God to dwell in your life because that's where he wants. God wants to be in your heart. He don't want to be in this building. He don't want to be anyplace else. He had worked. He had made you, shaped you. I know you were born and you're wondering, hey, I came from my dad, came from my mom. No, it was from the beginning when God created everything can only create from itself. And God made us in his image. We came from God. So from the very beginning, we were always of God. And God says, I created you. And God says, I want to inhabit you and dwell in you. Oh, that's important. This is important. Can I I show you something real quick? And I'll get out your way in just a second. In in Acts chapter, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We belittle these things, and sometimes we don't pay enough attention to what the Bible is saying, and, and we take things for granted. But if we start studying this word, we, we start getting serious about God. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says in verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. When the Holy Ghost was poured out in the upper room, he filled the heart of Jews only. It was Jews from every nation. The Jews had scattered. You know, they're always being chased out of their country. And so Jews are scattered all across the world. And so when the Holy Ghost came and fell, it was that they were celebrating the, 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 um, Pentecost, the feast day. And as they were celebrating it, people traveled from everywhere. So you got all the Jews that come back. But in the upper room, there was 120 people in there. And they were all of Jewish descent. No matter what they, their name was, the, the, the origination of their life was Jewish descent. And so the first outpouring of the Holy Ghost was into the heart of Jews. But look at Acts chapter 10. Verse 44 says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, when you hear the word circumcision for this particular text, it's saying the Jews that was already saved. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They thought they had a monopoly on the Holy Ghost. They were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. So Peter was preaching to them. The Holy Ghost fell on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. How did Peter know they received the Holy Ghost? No, that ain't what the Bible said. Huh? There you go. That's what the Bible says. So the Bible says that they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. So Peter realized what was happening to them was what happened to him. So he was able to identify, oh, snap. God giving them the Holy Ghost too? I thought we, the Jews, were the only one that was supposed to have the Holy Ghost. How come God giving the Gentiles the Holy Ghost? Verse 47 says, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? God is not interested in separation. You heard me said it before. This whole racial thing and everything we're dealing with is a sin thing. Don't have nothing to do with race. Don't have nothing to do with race. It's sin. If, if everybody gets saved and live according to the word of God, we won't harm each other. But if you are not living for God, 
if he or she is not living for God, sin will overtake them. And when sin overtakes them, they obey sin. But we steady worrying about racial things. What we should be doing is praying, God, will you move on people and save them? Will you deliver them from sin? Because if they get delivered from sin, they will love their brothers. If we get delivered from sin, we're going to love each other. But as long as sin is reigning, we will take advantage of each other. We will treat each other wrong. We will treat each other bad because of sin. It's sin. When you hear that conversation... The easiest way to deal with it says, it's just sin. We need to pray people get saved. Don't even let your emotion take you there. Because if your emotion take you there, you're going to find yourself being partial. That ain't God. That is not of God. When you have to start defending and you start to have to make your, well, you know, it's not of God. I'm telling you right now, we don't take sides. We take Jesus' side. And so, the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost because it was God's desire to dwell in every one of us. So when the Jews got it, this is why we don't make assumptions. We don't assume what God wants to do because the Jews had assumed. Peter and his boys, they assumed, oh, we're the Jews. God filled us with the Holy Ghost. That's just us. We special. Okay. I hear you, Peter. It was so messed up that before Peter could go to the Gentiles to preach the word of God, God had to straighten them out with his, with his, with his prejudice. Peter was prejudiced. Just like we experienced in prejudice today. It's a shame when we are Christians and prejudiced. Peter, one of the greatest apostles, was prejudiced. And God had to pull him in and says, listen. Whatever I tell you is clean, don't you curse it and tell, it, tell me it's unclean. Because the Jews were taught that everybody else is unclean except for them. God didn't teach them that. They were taught that. And so when they got the Holy Ghost, they, here we go, because we're better than everybody. So let's, let, let, let's, let's, you know, tell everybody about God, but we have a, you know, monopoly on God. And then God straightened them out. Gave him a vision, let him realize everybody's one. Then God sent him to go preach to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, he was astounded. Oh, my goodness. I thought this was just for us. Tell your neighbor the Holy Ghost is for everybody. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. I ain't going to embarrass you. I just want to give you a hug. This is my girl right here. Me and her go go back. You're my girl too, but you know, we've been waiting for her to come. So she get a little, you know, that's my girl right there. Been waiting for her to come. Y'all make sure y'all show her a whole bunch of love before she left. Her name is Ajene. Never heard that name before, right? My goodness, Ajene. You make sure you give Ajene a shout and give her some love, ladies and brothers. Just... Give her a handshake, tell her God's going to do some great things in her life. And you're not lying, because God's going to do great things in all of our lives if we let him. And let me back that up even some more. If it's his will and his desire that he dwells in us, how can he dwell in us and not do great things? The Bible says, Jesus says, 
greater works will you do? Because as long as you're walking around with Jesus in your heart, as long as Jesus is reigning in your life, you can't tell what he will do. Don't you settle in thinking that you are a nobody or you can't do nothing or you haven't been in church long enough or you made a mistake. Don't you go down that road because it's not the will of God. As long as you seek and call out to the name of Jesus and say, God, I desire you to dwell in me. And when you dwell in me, will you reign in me? Will you work through me? Will you do great things in me? Let me tell you something, people. God is not walking the earth and saving nobody. Tell me how the Bible says that for us to enter into the kingdom of God, we must be born again. What it means is repenting of our sins, understand who Jesus is, that he's Savior, repenting of our sins, getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and him filling you, he fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But here's my question. Who is going to baptize those that call on the name of the Lord and repent of their sins. Who's going to baptize them? Tell me if God's going to baptize them. God's going to baptize somebody? When when you tell them about him, or if God wants, God can tell because he's done it. He can wake people up and say, go to the church. You might have woke a couple people up this morning and said, you better go to church. (laughs) But, But I've heard stories where complete people that don't know who God is, he woke them up. Take the train, the F train. Get off at this stop and go to this church. When God called my mother to be saved, he told her what church to go to. She had to make some phone calls. What's the name of that church that so-and-so used to go to? Because God, when he's ready to save, he can talk to you. But when she got to the church, how did she get saved? Y'all quiet. He needs us is what I'm trying to tell you. That's why it's important to him to dwell in He needs us. He don't need our strength. He don't need our knowledge. He just needs us to allow him to work in us. So when he dwells in us, when he abides in us, he can use us to do what he wants to do. But we got to give him the access and open up our heart and let God dwell and worship him so God can dwell because he needs us. People can't get saved without a man of God or a woman of God helping them. The greatest apostle, the apostle Paul, (laughs) he was on the road to Damascus. The light shined. He fell. And the word of God came into his mind, says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? Because he didn't see anything. He said, who art thou, Lord? The word of God says, Jesus responded and says, it is I, Jesus. I can stay here all day and talk about that. But when the, when the apostle Paul says, who art thou, Lord? Why didn't he say, I am God, the Almighty? Anybody want to answer that? Why didn't... The Almighty God, the Almighty God who spoke to him. Why didn't the Almighty God, when Paul says, who art thou, Lord? Why didn't God say, it is I, the Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why didn't he say that? 
He didn't say that because Paul knew about that God. He never knew Jesus. So God said, let me introduce myself to you. You know of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know of that God that created all things. But guess what? I am he, but my name is Jesus. I just never told them back then what my name was, but it was me that created. It was me that established. It was me that did all those things. And then when the fullness of time come, I said, you know what? It's time for them to know me. It's time for them to know who I am. And so I'm telling you, Apostle Paul, it is I, Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? God wants us to know him. He wants to dwell in us. He wants us to know him. This is what this is all about. This is what this is what All Nations Sunday is all about. Is God want the entire world to know him. God wants every creature, every creation to know him so he can dwell in us. And I'm talking about human beings, that is. He wants all of us to know him. He wants to dwell in all of our heart. He is not no respecter of person. I don't care what you think of the person next to you. I don't care what you think about anybody. I know sometimes we think little of ourselves by saying, well, maybe it's, it's some... Christian people that are saying the Holy Ghost was from back then, not today. You couldn't know God. You see what I mean by there are people that's going to church and don't know God? Because how in the world you're going to say the Holy Ghost was for Paul and them, but really not for us? You know what that means? You are saying God is partial. You are saying God is favoring certain people. You're saying God is respecter of persons and God is no respecter of anyone. So if God gave the Holy Ghost to the church back in Acts and he's not doing it now, God ain't right. Yeah, you heard me. He'll, he'll take care of that if I'm wrong, cause I, but I know I'm not wrong. God ain't right. He, he couldn't be right by baptizing people on the day of Pentecost. But Wayne, you and those people in Christ in the church, nah, y'all, y'all don't get that. You better start thinking about it. There's nobody walking this earth that God don't intend and want to live inside of them, to dwell inside of them. And that's the message that if I don't say anything else today, you need to get. That if God is not living in you, you need to do everything you can to get him to dwell in you. Because guess what? That's what his pleasure is. His pleasure is to dwell in temples made not with man's hands, but temples that he created from the very beginning. That's his desire. That's his deal. That's what he wants, Ajanae. He wants to live in you. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to reign in you. He wants to work through you because there's more people that got to get saved. And you know people that I don't know. And you know people I know. But God is saying I want to raise you all up so you can be my hands and my feet and my voice. I want you to be used to reach the world. This is why it's important. This is why it's important. Let me just touch this and get out of the way. If you stay focused, if you stay focused on you as a Christian, you're not doing the will of God. What do you mean, preacher? Because why do God want to dwell in you? Because this is his way of reaching the world by working through you. He's no longer here. 
You go back and read, read the book of Acts. He was re- using people to minister. He was using people to do the will of God. And so still today, that's what he does. He uses people to reach other people. And if I'm not reaching anybody, it means that I'm defeating the will and purpose of God for me to still live in this world. That's too hard. Let me finish up. So he don't want to dwell in no place but you and me and in heaven. We're special. Tell your neighbor you're special, man. I, I, don't th- I don't care how you feel. I don't care what nobody said to you. You are special because God wants to dwell in you. I love this. I love this because you know what? We, 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 we tend, we fall into the trap of thinking we're superior to each other depending on our lifestyle, depending on the material things we own. We tend to think that we got it going on better than the next person. And God just smile at that. He winks at that because at the end of the day, we're not. We tell ourselves that naked you came into this world and naked you will go out. So what does it mean if you got more material than me right now? You know what we need to make sure? God is living inside of us because that's the only way we're going to get to heaven. That's the only way we're going to spend eternity. Material things don't matter to God. You can make yourself feel good because your status is better than my status. Go ahead. Go ahead and brag about what you got. Go ahead and brag about your lifestyle. I'm going to brag that Jesus is living in me, Brother Wood. That's what I'm bragging on. Jesus is living in me. I don't care about nothing else. Jesus is living in me. And the good news is, if he's not in you, he wants to be in you. So don't you feel like, oh, you know, it's just me. No, he wants to be in you. All you got to realize is that I got to let him in. I got to let him come into my heart. I got to worship and praise him. He will come into me. I got to let him in. He don't look at anybody in here like, I don't know about you. <laughs> you know, we like, I don't know about you. That's what we do. <laughs> there is not one person here that God is saying, I don't know about you. You know why? He created you. So he knows about you. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before you was even formed in your mother's womb. So he knows all about you. And guess what? It didn't matter how much wrong you did. It didn't matter how much you sinned. It didn't matter all what you did that you was all messed up about. He says, I knew that about you. And I still want to dwell in you. Y'all not understanding the God that we serve, the God that created us, the God that loved us. You think you're doing so much wrong that he don't want to deal with you? That's what your mind is telling you, and that's what the devil is telling you. God says, I dwell in temples made not with man's hand. Are you a temple that was not made by man's hand? Yes, you are. Well, God wants to dwell in you. I don't know if I can make this any clearer. So I'm just going to land the plane. Just going to land the plane. Neither is he worship with man's hand. Now that was kind of strange that he put that in there. When we think about neither is he worship with man's hand because we know we lift our hands to worship him. What it was saying is people that worship idol gods, they had to bring their sacrifice to their idol god. So if the sacrifice is a cat, let me bring my cat to the altar. And they bring their cat to the idol altar. And they worship. So they have to bring their sacrifice. So that's why it says, neither is he worship with man's hand. So God is saying, I don't need for you to go do some work to worship me. 
When you worship idols, that's what you do. You got to work hard. Idols treat you like slaves. Oh, Lord, help us. When our job is our idol, we like slaves. Anything we may make our idol that takes the place of God, we're going to be treated like slaves. They don't have no love for you. They're not going to take you anywhere. Anything that you made your God, not going to treat you good. You're going to have to work hard and you feeling good like, you know what? At least I'm doing my part to make sure my God bless me. I'm just telling you how it go. That's how our minds work. Yeah, if I can just work just hard enough. Listen, I thought so one time that the more I do for God, the more spiritual I am. I thought so, I thought so, I thought so, I did. Let me do a whole lot. If I stay busy for God, I'm, I'm the man. I'm just telling you about me, so you can't say I'm talking about you. <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, if I can do a whole lot, it means I'm more spiritual. Well, learn this today. God is not impressed with what we can do. <laughs> so try to do a whole bunch of stuff to think that, oh, you know, look at me. God is not impressed with that. Because God has specific purpose in all of our lives. And if you're doing what you want and not what he wants, you defeat the whole purpose of you being alive and you being a Christian and you being a servant of God. You defeat the whole purpose when you do what you want. <laughs> God is not impressed by a whole bunch of doing because the first thing is, all he got to say is, listen, man, I gave you the talents that you're using. So how can I be impressed with what I know I already gave you? I know what you got because I gave it to you. How are you going to impress me with that? <laughs> you see that? So that's why we can't impress God with our abilities because he gave it to us. What will impress God is us giving him access to our life so he can do whatsoever he wants to do in our life. So he can work his work through us. What God wants from us is for us to give him the access. It's for us to let him reign, mean let him govern our life. That's what God wants. It's for us to govern his life because we don't know how to reach lost people. We don't know how to minister to lost people. We don't know how to heal people. We don't know how to save people. But he does. He needs our bodies. He needs us. He wants to work through us. That's what he wants from us. He just wants us to give him access. Worship gives him access. Praise give him access. Prayer give him access. Oh, if you would just give God the access that he needs in your life, that's all he wants from you. He's not trying to make you a slave to him. He's not trying to get you to work like a dog for him. He's not trying to tell you to do everything you can to be spiritual. He's not telling you to do what those people do that worship idol gods. He's not telling you that. He's just saying, give me access to your life. This is why none of us can make an excuse for anything because all this come down to he didn't choose you over somebody else no he's working in that person's life because that person gave him access <laughs> somebody caught it <laughs> three people caught it so when you look and you say no they gave him access and you didn't it's just that simple so now that should motivate you to say, let me give him access too. <laughs> can, can, we, can we deal with God how we deal with material things? Oh, my God. You know, you, you got the new iPhone 7 Plus, Jet Black. Some people got the joke. I just got the, an iPhone 7 Plus, Jet Black. <laughs> I went to the Apple store, and the people started working on my phone. They said, we've only seen four of these. 
I see the rose gold. I see the regular black. I see, you know, whatever, whatever. But the jet black, we don't see. I said, yeah. You know why? Because we all like to feel special. I was feeling special. I got the jet black. Yeah. And so, you know, we want to do our thing so we can feel special, so we can be different. We'll start doing that with God. When you see God working in somebody's life and they like, oh, my God, you got to look and say, God, I want that, too. It's okay. That's the only time it's okay is to want God the way somebody else got God. If they really got him and you see him got you, it's nothing wrong with say, God, I want to have you. Look at that. That's awesome. I want you to be in my life like that, too. Nothing wrong with that. God is okay with that. You're not doing anything wrong. Because at the end of the day, God wants to dwell in you. So he desired to live in you. And so when you say that, he said, oh, sure, no problem. Just give me access. I got you. That's all he's saying. Give me access. And, and, and guess what? I'm going to do something in you that you don't even realize. I, I, you see what I'm doing in him? That's one thing. But I'm going to do something different in you because he all can give us all different talents and abilities. That should stop us from being jealous of each other. Sometimes it don't, but uh, that's another story. Like as long as I'm, I'm living out my purpose in God, that's the most important thing. But the unfortunate thing is I want the purpose you got. Oh, we, we can't do that. Yesterday, I was um, mentioning something to one of our brothers, and I was saying, please get this in your mind. There is no job in the kingdom of God that's more important than the other job. There is no ministry in the kingdom of God that's more important than the other ministry. Okay, all right, I guess I got to explain it. (laughs) When God called us, he called Jeremiah and told Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet. If Jeremiah became an evangelist, you think God is pleased with that? No. So what we got to really lock in on is walking in God's purpose, not importance, because Everything that God has put into you to do to God, it is important. <laughs> if God called you to be a doorkeeper, which is what we call hostess or the, the, the person that greets you at the door, if God called you to do that, don't get jealous of somebody that God called to teach Sunday school. We got to get that. Because if you start teaching Sunday school because that's what you want and never fulfill your purpose, you might lose your soul. I got this theory in me that I always say, and I don't understand, and it might be somewhere in the Bible that I haven't dug out yet. But I believe that if you don't live in your purpose for God, you may not get to heaven. I've always said that. Because I believe your purpose is tied to your heavenly calling and how you will spend eternity with him. I believe that with all my heart. So if I am supposed to be a doorkeeper, and I decide, well, what's wrong with teaching Sunday school? It sounds good, and it's right. I'm teaching the children about God. Yeah, I know that's how you want to spin it, but you're still not walking in purpose that God called you to walk in. This is why no job is more important. The most important job in God's kingdom for you is what he called you to do. If he called you to be maintenance, be maintenance because you're fulfilling your purpose. I know God too, and whatever he usually call you to the, for, from the very beginning, he'll change up on you. 
but he treats you like Mr. Miyagi treated Karate Kid. Oh, y'all don't remember that. Some, some of you don't remember. Mr. Miyagi, dude say, I want to learn karate because he got beat up. I want to learn karate. Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, tell him, I'm going to have you clean this. Wax on, wax off. Dude was like, man, how does this have anything to do with karate? I want to beat somebody up. Can they beat me up? Wax on, wax on. You better tell me something else, Mr. Miyagi. But he didn't realize after he was good at that, he was learning to do this. So when the kicks come and the punches come, he was able to block them. He had no idea. That's what Miyagi was teaching him. Well, Miyagi ain't God. So when God calls you to do something, <laughs> if, if, if the dude couldn't figure out Miyagi, you ain't going to figure out God. Just do what God called you to do. That's the most important thing. Because when you do that, you are fulfilling your purpose in God. And so we're almost there. The stewardess is sitting down in their chair. They're buckled up. Plane going down. All right. So the divine revelation to all nations. So he said all of that to them. Paul was teaching them about the known God that wants us to know him, that wants us to dwell, that wants to dwell in us. Now Paul moved to what we need to do. And that's where I'm going to close. And so Paul said to him, said to the people that he was ministering to in Athens. He got to verse, let's see where that is. Verse, verse 27. Verse 27 says that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And that's where I'll close today. Paul told them about the God that was unknown to them. Paul speak, spoke to them so they would know him. This is why you hear me all the time when you come to this church. You will always hear me teaching that God is one and that Jesus Christ is that one God manifest. You always hear me teach that because that is so essential to you knowing God. There's many people that's living for God that don't know him because they're thinking that the father is different from the son. And when you think like that, who are you going to pray to the son and what the son tell the father? If the Father is all-powerful, why can't he just hear you? Why the Son got to be the intermediate? I don't want to get into all that. But, 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 but I'm just telling you, he wants you to know him. Just get back to that so I don't mess you up. He wants you to know him. He don't want you praying and worshiping and, you're, and don't know who you're calling on. He wants you to know him. And not only does he want you to know him, but he wants to live inside of you. Occupy your life. So when you feel bad and down and out some days, the reason why you just don't go and jump off the bridge is because he's in you. We don't know when God is living in us the thing that he saved us from. 
We don't understand that God has saved us from stuff because he's in us. And you're wondering, why didn't I do that? Well, you didn't have the strength at that time, but God was working in your life some kind of way. He's letting things happen. And somehow you didn't do something stupid that you're going to lose your life because that's the most important thing to God is he don't want you to leave this world in sin. Because you will never be able to make it to heaven. The Bible says there's a great gulf fix between hell and heaven. It means wherever you go, you can never go to the other place. Yes, that's what it means. Wherever we go, that's it. You're there for eternity. You can't, you can't change position. So God's will is for you never to die in your sins. And so you get God to live in you. There's going to be things that you confront that... You won't understand till later. It was the power of God that was in you. I know sometimes we want to feel like there's this power working. It doesn't work like that. You just find yourself not doing something. You don't know why you didn't do it. I don't know. Can some of you testify that there were some things that you just, I don't know why I'm doing this. Yes, yes, yes. Because God is working in your life and he knows what's best. And he stopped you from doing some things and he made you do some things. I know sometimes we want this spiritual feeling. That's not how it goes. God just work his work. And so Paul told them everything about God so they could know him. And so now he says, seek. Seek. Seek the Lord. When you get married... If you don't do anything else, your marriage won't work. If you just get married and, okay, I'm married. And now you're just back to who you was. Because you know how we do. We, 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 <laughs> oh boy. We put on so we can get married. Right? So we put our best foot forward. Because I want to impress the person I'm trying to marry. And so everybody put their best foot forward to try to impress. And as soon as the... Click, click, lock down. Everybody married, you go back to who you used to be. Ooh, a good time to say that. It's Halloween time. Take the mask off. <laughs> I didn't say that. I would just repeat what somebody said. I did not say that. But we get married, and now we're not doing anything. Your marriage will not work. So... You know, I got to always give you the natural so I can bring you back to the spiritual. So, you get to learn who Jesus is, that he's God in flesh. And you realize that you got to repent and be baptized. And he will fill you with his spirit and you'll walk around with God living inside of you. But you decide, okay, that's it now. I'm good. I'm going to go to heaven. All I got to do is just coast. You won't make it. So, what I think... I will tell you today that's important is this. You don't get saved. You don't get born again and stop seeking God. That's really where I'm going. If you get born again and you stop seeking God, that's like getting married and never do anything else. That's why I wanted to make it, wanted to make the, 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 the connection there. And that's what I think that we sometimes end up doing as Christians. Well, I got baptized. God is working in my life. Okay. So all I got to do is just live. No. You have to seek the Lord. Continue to seek him. And that's what this is all about. What does seek mean? It means to desire him. It means to inquire about him. It means to, 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 to just continue to search him out. 
God has more for you. Wherever you are in God today, he has more for you, and he wants you to search him out. Where you are, I don't care what you think. Uh, that's not where God intends to leave you. Uh, he has more for you, uh, but he can't turn it over until you seek him. Seek him means responsibility. Oh, boy. When you seek God, you present yourself as responsible. And if you're responsible, now he can establish more in your life because you've shown yourself to be responsible. You don't give people stuff that don't care about it because they're not going to take care of it. So God don't want to do too much more until you start seeking him. Because if you seek him, it means that you want more and you will be responsible. But if you don't seek him, it means I'm good, God. And he will never give you more because he can't give you more when you're not going to take good care of it. So he wants you to seek him. That's what Paul says, seek him. Seek this unknown God. He's knowable. You can know God. He is not far from any one of us. His presence is here. But he wants to dwell in you. His presence is here. But he wants to dwell in you. We should contemplate his wisdom, his works, and come to the knowledge of his existence and character. We got to know God. Though living, let me say this. This is the final thing I'm going to say. Not the final, but almost the final, because I don't want to tell you no lie. But in the Bible, The Bible says, Paul says in the scripture that by one blood, we read it this morning, so go back and check it. By one blood did he make all nations. By one blood he made all nations. By the blood of Noah and his wife was all nations made. Every person walking this earth, because remember what happened with the flood. So every person walking this earth by one blood. You know what blood usually means? It determines your race. (laughs) By one blood, God created one race. I know we look different today. I know we all sound different. But that's what we did when we migrated to different places and started taking on different cultures. But at the end of the day, God made all nation, every people, every individual, he made them from one blood. He was the one that did it. We're all one. And we need to treat each other as such because God is coming back for a church, not churches. God is coming back for his body, which is the church, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so God needs us to give him access. But we have to seek him that we may receive the access. One nation, no matter what the nation is, I don't care if you're from Russia. I don't care if you're from Australia. I don't care if you're from Haiti. One nation. We're all one people. And if we're going to let God have access, those are some of the things, perspectives and mind mindset that we have to have the divine revelation to all nations will you stand
We need to seek the Lord. I pray yesterday, and one of the things that I prayed when I prayed yesterday was this. I pray that we will not tell ourselves when I get home and when tomorrow comes, I'm going to start practicing what I heard. I pray, God, I pray that the people will begin to practice what they heard immediately when they heard it. That you will respond in obedience to the word of God. Not when you get home, not when you wake up tomorrow. But when you hear the word, when you heard the word preach, I pray that you will respond at that time. That's very important to do, to respond to the word of God at the moment. Because waiting till later, waiting till tomorrow when you pray, it might escape you. And so I, I want you to take just a couple minutes and I want you to respond in whatever way you know, because you know where the word reached you. You know where the word ministered to you. You know where the word affected you. So will you take a couple minutes right now and just respond to God in whatever way you need to respond in obedience to say, I'm going to take this right now, God. I'm going to utilize this in my life right now, God, because it's important that I don't wait till later. Wait till I leave. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord. Help us today to allow this preach word to transform our life. God, you are the all-powerful God. But what we know about you is because you love us, you won't let us do anything against our will. If we don't willingly embrace your word, if we don't willingly accept your word, if we don't willingly obey your word, you will not force us, Lord God, to obey, to respond in obedience. And so I pray today in the name of Jesus that every person under the sound of my voice will respond to your word. Those, Lord God, that don't have the Holy Ghost, that they will seek you for the Holy Ghost. They will give you access to their life. And those that have the Holy Ghost already ready, Lord God, that they will continue to seek you so you can continue to transform their life so they can do what you have called and chosen them to do, Lord God. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray the power of God will move upon every one of us today. God, we need for you, Lord God, to reveal yourself to us. Let, as you have, as we have heard the word, now reveal yourself to us that there will be no mistake. There will be no misunderstanding understanding, but God, it will be a personal thing right now that we will become personal with the word. We will become personal with you and not look to anyone else. Lord, I lift my hands even now to worship you and to honor you and to praise you. Whatever area of my life, Lord God, that this word had touched, will you show me, Lord God, and will you help me, Lord God, to respond in true obedience to the word and become a doer of the word of God and not a hearer only. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. God, you love us like nobody else can love us. And God, because you love us, I want to love you like you love me. I want to know you like you know me. Oh God, I want to be in a true relationship with you, a genuine, bona fide relationship, Lord God, where I know, Lord God, you are dwelling in me and working through me that you may receive glory and honor in this earth, uh, that people that are not saved, that don't know you, Lord God, uh, oh, Father, they can know you through the life that I 
land to please you. Uh, Father, have your way today. Uh, let no person, Lord God, walk out of this place uh, without, Lord, you uh, allowing the word to continue to regurgitate in their heart. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, continue, Lord God, uh, to move upon us. Continue, Lord God, uh, to speak to us. Continue, Lord God, uh, to direct us. Continue, Lord God, uh, to help us. Uh, Lord, today, Lord, uh, I want something to happen uh, in this place, uh, in our life, uh, in the life of every person, uh, that something will happen. Uh, the power of God will move. Uh, the glory of God will emanate. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, Lord, will you have your way today? Uh, Lord, will you have your way today? Uh, for we love you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. And we thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, today. Uh, I pray the blessings of God will continue to flow uh, for all that the enemy has done, uh, for all that the enemy is trying to do. Uh, somebody join with me right now uh, because the devil is trying to stop you uh, from walking by faith. Uh, the devil is trying to destroy you. Uh, the devil is trying to destroy your home uh, and your family. But I come today in the name uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and I take authority uh, over the power of the enemy uh, from trying to destroy your home, uh, from trying to destroy your marriage uh, and your relationship with your children. Uh, I come against it in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and I take authority and bind uh, the work of every evil spirit uh, in your home uh, in the name of Jesus uh, and I cast them out uh, into outer darkness even now uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, I release in your home uh, faith. Uh, I release in your home uh, blessings. Uh, I release in your home uh, the power of God. Uh, I release in your home the peace of God. Uh, Father, have your way even now uh, in every home uh, that they will experience peace, uh, that they will experience connectivity with each other, that they will experience the blessings uh, and the glory of God uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I pray today uh, that you will experience God uh, like you've never experienced Him uh, and the fight uh, and the struggle that you've been up against. Uh, you will be relieved of 